Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, President and General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. Our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to cmascolonialhonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com. Hear ye, hear ye. It's time for the Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. And good morning, everybody. Wednesday edition of the Sports King. Welcome. Sorry for the slight delay. We are now live. Facebook Live, Sports 106 Live, and we'll be joined hopefully within a few minutes by the former guard forward for the Washington Bullets, 1978 world champion Kevin Grevy, our special guest today on the Sports King show. Hello, everyone watching Facebook Live as well as Sports 1061. Uh, we start off. Uh, it seems every day it's been something sad, and I hate to bring this about, but uh, just handed a note that legendary Tennessee Pittsburgh uh, coach, he was at both uh, the legendary coach Johnny Majors has passed away at age 85, and, uh, of course, Majors is a legendary coach for the Tennessee football team, member of the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, 16 seasons as Tennessee's coach from 77 to 92, Majors compiled a 116-62-8 record. He began his playing career with the Vols in 1953, joining the team as a single-wing tailback. Majors rushed for 549 yards, seven touchdowns, and passed for 552 yards and five touchdowns, leading Tennessee to a 10-1 record back in 1956. He finished as the runner-up to the Heisman Trophy, did not know he was the runner-up, losing out to Notre Dame's Paul Horning. He was elected to the College Football Hall of Fame as a player in 1987. Majors got his first head coaching gig in 1968, hired on by Iowa State in four years at the helm. He led the Cyclones to a 24-30-1 record. In 1973, he left to become the coach at Pittsburgh, won a national championship in 1976 with a perfect 12-0 record. He received National Coach of the Year honors after that particular season. In 1977, he returned to Knoxville as Tennessee's head coach over 15 years. He led the Vols to three SEC championships in 1985, 1989, 1990. He also won the Sugar Bowl in 1986 and 1991. Majors and UT parted ways in 1992 when he returned to Pittsburgh for three years. After retiring from coaching in 1996, he served as the assistant athletic director and chancellor at Pittsburgh until 2007. He was inducted into Pittsburgh Hall of Fame. Uh, Johnny Major is another sad loss in the world of sports. We want to turn our attention now to our dear friend, uh, a gentleman that uh, I've respected, admired for so long. He's been a great friend of mine in the show. We welcome the former great for the Washington Bullets, Mr. Kevin Greve. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you so much, Jamie. It's uh, good to be connected. 
I'll tell you what, uh, I am very sorry. I know you've had a series of losses recently, and most recently yesterday, a dear friend of yours, and then on top of that, the loss of Wes Unseld. Uh, I know a lot of people have been asking you. You've had uh, 24 hours to reflect and think about uh, all the time spent with Wes. First and foremost, uh, can you talk about him as a teammate and then as the man, the impact he had on you? Well, Jamie, it was a bad day yesterday. All Many of my teammates uh, were just looking for uh, uh, solace yesterday. Mitch Kupchak, Bobby Dandridge, uh, uh, Phil Chenier, all talking about Wes. We knew Wes has been suffering for a couple years. I visited him last year uh, with Mitch Kupchak and got to see him. But uh, he was really struggling. He was in a lot of pain. Uh, a big man like that, powerful and strong to see him. Uh, not superhuman. <laughs> was very, very hard to witness. Um, but we loved Wes. He was an unbelievable teammate. And you can't talk about Wes and his Hall of Fame career and uh, our championship in 1978. With also without thinking about what kind of person he was. He was an amazing guy. Uh, he lived it every day, his life. Uh, he was not a phony man. This guy was a family man, married to Connie for 50 years, two children. One of his daughters has suffered an accident on a horse, Kimberly, and uh, was a became blind as a result of it. And I know that that was a motivation for him to try to live out his life for her. And his school, inner city Baltimore, that was his passion. Uh, it was a kindergarten through sixth, private school, all based on grants. Uh, he had a foundation that had a daycare center. I mean, where a lot of guys play in the NBA uh, you know, you, you try to build wealth. You know, you're motivated by financial gains. He wasn't. He was motivated by doing good work for other people. And uh, I admire him so much. Everybody that's ever played with him, or for that matter, against him, uh, has the utmost respect for Wes Sunsell. He's going to be missed but he'll certainly be remembered. And he made me a better person, not just a better team uh, player, and he certainly made all of us better on the floor, but he made me a better person. Wes had a lot to do with who I am today, having played five years with him of my 10 bullet years. He's a great man. And when you look back at the career, the points, 10,000-plus, rebounds, 13, 7, 6, 9, uh, just small looks into what he did. Uh, of course, some of the great uh, legendary aspects. They said he could catch a ball, turn, spin, and outlet it down the end of the court perfectly on the money. Uh, he did this all the time and made it look so easy. His bruising picks and all the things he did for that team and held you guys together. Wasn't a talkative guy, very quiet leader, but it seemed like when he did talk, you guys listened. We sure did. I'll give you an example uh you know, the Bullets were really good in that era. They were one of the uh, best teams in the uh, 70s, and they made it to the finals in 71 against Milwaukee. 
against Oscar Robinson and Kareem and got swept. And shortly after that, in 1975, they played the Golden State Warriors for the world championship. And what happened? They got swept again, Rick Barry and that crew. So in 78, here, here we go back for the championship in 78, and Wes, uh, he called a players-only meeting and said, guys, is there anything that you wouldn't do, wouldn't sacrifice to win a championship? And, you know, he said, you don't have to answer it. I just want you to think about it. Alvin needs this. I need this. Dick Mata needs this. You young players talking to me and Greg Ballard and Mitch Kupchak, you guys need this for your careers. All we have to do for the next six weeks is sacrifice. And then he did look at me, Jamie, and, you know, I was one of the wilder ones on the team, and he's like, and if I find out anybody gets the Georgetown flu during this six-week playoff run, then you're going to have to deal with me. I went, <laughs> oh, man. Now, the Georgetown flu was basically a hangover, you know. And uh, so we all, from that point on, really made a big commitment. Uh, of course, everybody does in the playoffs, but – we took it an extra level because we wanted to do it for Wes. And uh, it fulfilled his career. He was the most valuable player uh, in that playoff series, doing just what you said, setting picks, doing all the dirty work, rebounding, assists. Um, he was a, an incredible team player. He personified team by doing all those little things. When he scored, he needed to score, he would, but he was there to defend, to rebound, facilitate, make everybody better, which he did. And that's why the Bullets were so good back in that era, because they had Wes Sunstone. I can imagine you uh, learned very early in those practice sessions to avoid 41 in terms of watching out for those picks because they could probably send you into slumberland very quickly if you caught the wrong part of uh, Wes. He was just that imposing guy there and you know, Jamie, uh, that era was a tough, you know, anybody watched The Last Dance knew what a physical game it was. And West was the most physical player on the floor. Hi, this is two-time Super Bowl champion cornerback Perry Williams from the New York Football Giants. And you're listening to my great friend Jamie King, the sports king on Sports 1061. Hi, sports fans. It's the Sports King for the Podiatry Center of renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts, hard casts. I was in pain and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally, and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was, and he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King. 
on Sports 1061. And welcome back to the Wednesday edition of the Sports King Show on Facebook Live as well as Sports 1061. And folks, sometimes in the world of radio, things happen. And unfortunately, we lost our connection with Kevin Greevy, the Ford and guard formerly of the world champion Washington Bullets. We'll have him back again. That you can be sure of. And it was great to hear from Kevin. Of course, uh, Kevin was a staple in the Northern Virginia area. He's moved on to Ohio now, doing great things. But just to hear the reverence in his voice and hear what admiration and love he had for Wes Unseld to talk about the great experience of Wes Unseld impacting his life in the way that he did. Uh, You hear that universally from teammates about the impact Wes had as a man and as a basketball player and a guy that was definitely bigger than life in so many ways. He had imposing size. He had incredible picks, incredible rebounder, uh, we don't win a world championship in 1978 without Wes Unsell. There's no doubt about it, and he will be missed terribly. Kevin Grevy, of course, the former great from Kentucky, was a guy that, as he mentioned in our brief discussion, he said that Wes Unsell told him to avoid the Georgetown flu. And back then, the Georgetown flu, as he said, was a hangover. You could not go out and party and do it uh or Wes Unseld, if he found out about it, he said, you're going to have to deal with me. And trust me, Kevin didn't want to deal with Wes, and neither did any of the other teammates. So they stayed out of Georgetown at the request of Wes Unseld, and they went on to do such great things. The 78 team, my all-time favorite basketball team, of course, loved Elvin Hayes, Wes Unseld, Kevin Grevy. Um, there's so many great players on that team. Mitch Kupchak, of course, now. And we didn't get to finish our discussion with Kevin. He's traveling, and he has quite a few media uh, aspects that he has to cover today due to the loss of Wes Unseld yesterday. We appreciate him jumping on as he's traveling from Ohio today. Uh, But when he talked to me about Wes and said, hey, you know, this guy was an impact guy, not only on the court but off the court, he really helped us all develop and become champions, and he demanded that we uh, perform at a high level and do things the right way. When you look at the contrast with Wes Unseld and some other athletes out there, Wes Unseld, if you remember, uh, never really talked a lot on the court. Uh, He let his play do the talking. Uh, If you ran into a Wes Unseld pick, you never forgot it. It was one of those things that would be bone jarring. And he was a big man, didn't have to speak a lot, but when he did, uh, it spoke volumes, and his teammates fell in line, and they followed him, and he ended up winning a world title in 1978 against Seattle in a Game 7 that uh, I'll never forget. What a great run that was. Of course, the fat lady sings for the Bullets. Uh, that was the motto then by Dick Mata, the head coach, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of and to watch that. And, uh, of course, all the great games at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. If you remember the Capitol Center, um, you're of a certain age because it's no longer uh, that uh, that name anymore uh, as far as uh, the building is not being used or in downtown D.C. as we well know. Even the name Bullets isn't being used. Much to my chagrin, I always was a Bullets fan. The Wizards, not so much. I just can't wrap my head around the name. Don't care for it. Uh, they will always be the Washington Bullets to me. And that's the kind of thing in terms of when you grow up with a team, you root for them and you win a world title. You don't want it to see it end. You don't want somebody to come in and just say, we're going to erase that and give you a new name and start over. It just uh, 
uh, very strong feelings about that. That team was so special. Uh, Greg Ballard was on that team. Uh, you've got uh, Bobby D. I mean, all the great players on that team, uh, the Washington Bullets, uh, who set the example. And I'll go on record saying this, the greatest D.C. basketball team ever in terms of professional was that 78 team, uh, none even close in my opinion. There have been great players that have come through, but no uh, team has ever done what they did in terms of not only performance, but the excitement. That Capitol Center was absolutely rocking uh, when the Bullets played. They were that talented in terms of their overall ability. So we've got a lot of things going on in the world of sports in terms of what may or may not happen. One of them is the NBA and the NBA has modeled a 22-team format for the season's proposed resumption beginning on July 31st in Orlando, Florida, a timeline shared with teams at last uh, as a last possible date for a final uh, Game 7, which would land on October 12th. So if the NBA does resume, it'll start July 31st. We hope that happens. It will end on October 12th with a Game 7. Commissioner Adam Silver is expected to have a proposal to take a vote of the NBA's Board of Governors on Thursday. So tomorrow we'll find out exactly where we're going to go. But it looks like circle July 31st on the NBA docket. That looks like the date that will be written in stone in terms of us getting back to NBA action. The expectation is that the NBA draft and the opening of free agency would follow in sequential order in October. The NBA and the National Players, uh, National Basketball Players Association are still discussing details on the format, and there is room for the league to maneuver on the structure of returning to play. The Board of Governors requires a three-fourths passage of the 30-team on a plan, but there is an expectation among owners that they will fall into line and overwhelmingly approve the commissioner's recommendation, according to sources. The league has been advancing on a plan that would include regular season play-in and playoff games for the 16 teams currently holding a playoff position and six more teams within six games of the eighth seed in each conference, sources say. Those six teams are New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Phoenix in the Western Conference and Washington in the Eastern Conference. So, Wizard fans, you have a shot. I don't know how much of a shot, but you have a shot. If you want to get on the discussion today, you have any questions, please let us know. 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. And we started the show with the sad news in regards to Tennessee, uh, former Tennessee coach Johnny Majors uh, has passed away at age 88. And so as we went through and looked at a lot of the stories yesterday, I'm looking for, and we're all looking for, something uplifting in this world that has definitely gone off kilter in so many ways. And you're seeing things and hearing things. And, of course, uh, right now, of course, throughout all the leagues, uh, they're trying to come together with some racial committees to try to overcome things and get together and uh, try to come up with some things that will uh, smooth things and work through things and give people a feeling that they're being heard. Everybody's being heard at the table. Uh, then you see in uh, Denver yesterday, Denver's Broncos head coach Vic Fangio um, called uh, George Floyd's death while in police custody, uh, custody, quote, a societal issue that we all have to join in to correct. Uh, but he went on to say, and this is where things got dicey for him, he doesn't see discrimination or racism as problems overall in the NFL. He went on to say, I think our problems in the NFL are along those lines are very minimal. We're a league of uh, merit, 
meritocracy. You earn what you get. You earn what you earn. I don't see racism at all in the NFL. I don't de- I don't see discrimination in the NFL. Fangio told reporters when asked about his experience in the league over the past four decades, we all live together, joined as one for one common goal, and we all intermingle and mix tremendously. If society reflected an NFL team, we'd all be great. This did not go over well. Seattle Seahawks running back Chris Carson took exception to Fangio's view of the league, calling the Broncos coach, quote, a joke, end quote. In a tweet Tuesday night, Seahawks teammate Quandre Diggs also weighed in on Twitter asking, quote, is he blind, end quote. On Wednesday, Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy had told ESPN's Golik and Wingo show that he agreed with Fangio's point of an NFL meritocracy on the field, but Dungy said there are still issues in the league. To say there's no racism and no problem, I really think, is not recognized in the situation, Dungy said. As you said, the league has talked about having 70 to 75% of African-American players and no black team presidents, just a couple of black general managers. It is not a complete meritocracy, even though it's a great place, and I think the same thing should be said of our country. So you're in a situation here where Fangio uh, spoke out about how there is no racism, and when you look at the NFL by and large, uh, as they say, the GMs are very minimal, the head coaches are very minimal, and you see some great people on the sideline not even getting opportunities and you wonder why certain people get recycled over and over again and get more and more opportunities again, and yet many minorities are on the sideline. So uh, very tone deaf for me to see Vic Fangio. I know where he's trying to come from, but I do not agree with that. I do think there are so many things that need to be done in terms of equaling the playing field and give more people of color an opportunity, uh, and of course women as well, to get into the league, and I know they're trying in certain aspects, but it's not even close to being uh, a fair deal all the way around. And Tony Dungy, a guy that I have the utmost respect for, uh, came out and said as much in that statement yesterday. And when Tony Dungy talks, I mean, he's a guy um, that doesn't have, uh, in terms of an agenda, he's a man of faith, a man of honor. And when he comes at you and talks about something, it's from his heart. And that's what I love about Tony Dungy when he says, hey, you know, I do understand where he came from, but the bottom line is there is a major situation here that we need to address. And, um, you know, as he said, you have 70 to 75% men of color in the league, and yet the people in the general manager positions and the coaching positions are minimal at best. So, uh, you know, Tony Dungy is a guy that I would love to see steer and spearhead a committee because he's a guy that I think has universal respect and support throughout the NFL, a guy that I have the utmost respect and admiration for a guy that I would follow through a wall. He's that kind of guy, maybe not the loudest speaker in the room, but a guy that always is uh, very eloquent. Everything he says and his leadership is unquestioned a guy that deserves uh, respect and should be at the head of the table in terms of discussions. I think Tony Dungy is a voice we need to hear right now more than uh, so many others out there that just um, saying things to say things. Tony Dungy's a guy that is a leader in every sense of the word. What's your take on the situation right now? 804-327-0888. 804-327-0888 is a number in the NFL, of course, weighing in on that. Uh, we've had all kinds of Situations occur in the last 24 hours in the college football side, and a Clemson assistant coach, Danny Pierman, apologized Tuesday after word spread on social media of an incident in which he used a racial slur during a practice in 2017. Several former Clemson players noted the incident Tuesday on Twitter. 
former tight end DJ Greenlay confirmed in account to the state newspaper in which Perriman, the tight ends coach and special teams coach, overheard players using the term and repeated it himself. It was just a heated argument at practice, basically, Greenlee told the state. Me and my coach got into it, and I was speaking with one of my teammates. He heard me use the N-word, basically, and then basically tried to correct me by saying it back to me. Perriman, who coached with Dabo Swinney at Alabama before joining the Clemson staff in December 2008, offered an apology and a statement from the school after Greenlee confirmed the incident. Quote, three years ago on the practice field, I made a grave mistake involving DJ Greenlee. I repeated racial slur I overheard when trying to stop the word from being used on the practice field, Perriman said. What I overheard, I had no right to repeat. Perriman said the word was not directed at Greenlee, an account the former player confirmed to the state, noting that the coach wasn't trying to say that I was an N-word. The incident was first publicized on Twitter by former walk-on receiver Canyon Tuttle, who responded to a Clemson Athletics tweet calling for solidarity with a recollection of the event and the lack of consequences for Perriman. He said, you allowed a coach to call a player the N-word during a practice with no repercussions, not even a team apology. When we sit, had a sit-in at Sykes Hall, you suggested all of his players to stay out, to limit distractions, stop protecting your brand, take a stand. So that's the situation there. Very sad indeed in terms of uh, Clemson. Of course, uh, they preach solidarity. I know Ebo Swinney is all about solidarity, but a situation like this, very sad in terms of what's happened at Clemson, and now they have to address that situation there. So um, it's in the NFL right now. It's in college uh, football right now. Uh, It's front and center. And then I wake up and I read this morning that longtime Sacramento play-by-play announcer Grant Napier has resigned after tweeting, quote, all lives matter, end quote, on Sunday in a response to a question about Black Lives Matter. Uh, He went on to say, I want to thank the fans for their overwhelming love and support. Napier said in a statement, I will always remain a part of the Kings nation in my heart. Napier, who has called games for the Kings since 1988, was answering a question from former Kings star DeMarcus Cousins, who asked Napier for his opinion on the Black Lives Matter. And he responded, hey, how are you? Thought you forgot about me. Napier responded, haven't heard from you in years. And then went on to say in all caps, all lives matter, every single one. Cousins posted Napier's response uh, and basically everything broke loose from there. Napier later apologized, telling the Sacramento Bee on Monday that he's not educated on the Black Lives Matter as I thought that he was. The tweet Sunday came as protests rage across the country, so Napier loses both his radio job, announcing job for his radio show, and also the play-by-play announcing for the Sacramento Kings because of what he said in a tweet. So, uh, situation there. So, uh, all kinds of things going on, and folks, I'm telling you here on the Sports King Show, I would love to be able to uh, talk about more exciting things, more things going on in the world of sports as far as scores and updates and all the things we're no, used to doing from a normal standpoint. But anything's uh, far from normal right now. As you can see, we're hoping that things settle down from a national perspective and that uh, things will hopefully start healing everywhere and that people can understand one another better. And hopefully we can, as I said, heal as a nation. That's one thing that uh, we're all working towards, and we certainly hope that happens. Also, beyond that, we're looking at the coronavirus aspect, and uh, there are some things happening out there. And you wonder now with all the protesting and all the people coming together, the worry is about uh, people being such close proximities. How is it going to work in terms of folks potentially catching 
the COVID-19 virus because of the fact if they pull their mask down, they yell and things come out of their mouth and what's happening. And if there's somebody amidst uh, the protests that are shoulder to shoulder and they have it, uh, can it rub off on somebody else and how soon will that transmit? So there's a lot of questions there and you just wonder, uh, not only has the tragedy of George Floyd, which was a horrendous situation that ended a man's life and it was so wrong in every way, shape or form. That's one aspect of it. But beyond that, uh, the people that have come together to support this cause, we certainly hope and pray that nobody catches the coronavirus. But, you know, you just look at the mass numbers and the people close together and you're fearful about a spread, a continual spread. But uh, once again, we certainly hope uh, people are being as safe as possible out there. Uh, we do want to pass on that Oklahoma State's Eamon Agum, Agum this is an e- not, not easy for me to see, Agbon Bamiga. There we go. Aman Agbon Bamiga. Try saying that 10 times. He tested positive for coronavirus after a Tulsa process, uh, protest, basically. The Oklahoma State linebacker. Uh, announced Tuesday he tested positive. So this is going back to what I just said on COVID-19 after attending a protest in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was a second team all Big 12 uh, selection last year, made the announcement on Twitter. He said, after attending a protest in Tulsa and being well protective of myself, I have tested positive for COVID-19. Please, if you're going to protest, take care of yourselves and stay safe. So therein lies the rub for me. Uh, Yes, I understand the protesting. I want them to protest, protest safely, but protect yourself. But here's the thing. I'm watching the news last night. And I see people in different cities, 20, 30,000 people together. And I'm telling you, it's like they're enclosed in a small area where they're shoulder to shoulder. And I just can't see how you can avoid. And here's a case where an Oklahoma state linebacker uh, contracted COVID by attending a rally. That's my greatest fear for people in terms of the COVID spread is that uh, you don't want anybody else uh, it's a double-edged sword. You want people to be able to peacefully protest and, and state their case, but at the same time, you don't want them to catch anything. You want them to be careful, and so it's something you have to be careful and cognizant about in this situation. Uh, he contracted it after a Tulsa rally. So uh, something we're going to keep our eye on there. And so to start the show, uh, we had Kevin Grevy, the former Washington Bullet Guard, on as he's traveling from Ohio discussing the loss yesterday of the great wizard center, uh, excuse me, I said wizards, I meant bullets, of course, Washington bullets, uh, center West Unseld, 78 champion West Unseld, who did so much for the Washington area, was a coach, uh, administrator for the bullets in the front office there. And uh, he led us to a world title in 78. And I dare say one of the great rebounders. Of course, you have the Dennis Robbins of the world, but uh, very few people could ever rebound the way Wes Unsell did. And when he cleaned you out of that area in the post, you knew about it because he was just so physical, but never really talked a lot. Always kind of like an art monk uh, is related to football, a guy that didn't have to talk. He let his play speak volumes. And if you remember, uh, as I talked a few weeks ago about Art Monk, you never heard Art Monk talk so much. And uh, most people, if I played a voice recording of him, you'd say, I wonder who that guy is, because you just didn't hear him talk. But you respected the game, because when it came time to play for Art Monk or for Wes Unseld, they gave you everything they had. And you were like, I'm happy that guy's on my team. But Wes Unseld, as Kevin Grevy said, so revered by his teammates, so beloved, Bobby Dandridge, Kevin Grevy, Elvin Hayes, all those guys are in mourning right now, but they 
are talking about the love they had for Wes and the love that he had for them and how much of a guiding force he was for them throughout their careers. And, of course, no Wes Unsell, no world championship for the Bullets, my favorite team of all time. And to see him, uh, uh, of course, pass away, just a terrible loss, not only for the NBA but for the world. And uh, Wes Unsell meant so much to the uh, District, Maryland, Virginia areas. Uh, he was beloved by so many and was a guy that everybody respected and, uh, as Kevin Grevy said, will be sorely missed. Is a guy that we uh, all uh, really held in such high esteem and such a sad uh, announcement. And, of course, today, Johnny Majors, uh, of course, the great coach from Tennessee and Pittsburgh, passes away this morning as well. We are going to take a time out. We'd love to hear from you. 804-327-0888. 804-327-0888 is the number. Don't touch it now. We'll be right back. Sports King Show on a Wednesday morning. Hi, this is Andre Collins, former Washington Redskin and Super Bowl champ. You're listening to Jamie King on the Sports King Sports 106.1. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, president and general manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We know the last few months have been, to say the least, a learning curve. From teaching your kids at home to figuring out video conferences or even remembering the right way to go down aisles. We had a lot to learn and our dealership did too. After all, our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy for our customers. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to CMA's ColonialHonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. And don't worry, we're always here to answer questions. If you'd like to complete it all online and you're not sure about something, Give us a call and we can virtually walk you through it. Or you can take any of these steps in the dealership if that's more comfortable for you. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit CMA's ColonialHonda.com. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back, everybody. Wednesday morning edition of the Sports King. Thank you for joining us. Facebook Live, thank you for joining us. Sports 1061. And we want to go right to the Sports King uh, breaking news center. Ben Malin manning the controls, always with an update. He's got one on one of the top pitchers in baseball. Ben, take it away. Yeah, Jamie, good morning. Um, if you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is not, not welcome news. Uh, should a season be played here in 2020, the Pirates will be without right-hander Chris Archer. Uh, that's because the team did announce this morning Archer will miss the remainder of 2020 after undergoing surgery to relieve symptoms of thoracic outlet syndrome. A lot of guys have had surgery for that here the last handful of years. Um, again, that happened uh, yesterday. The surgery was performed yesterday, Tuesday, June 2nd. was performed by Dr. Robert Thompson at Washington University out in St. Louis. Um, and after consulting, this is part of the Pirates' statement, after consulting with several leading vascular and orthopedic surgeons in recent weeks, the decision was made to undergo the procedure. He is projected to return to full competition for the 2021 season. Uh, Chris is 31, and this is verbatim almost from a CBS article this morning. He really hasn't performed that well or as well as the Pirates would have hoped uh, when they traded for him uh, at the 2008 trade deadline. The Pirates sent Austin Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, and Shane Baz to Tampa to acquire him. In 33 starts with Pittsburgh, he's posted just a 4.92 earned run average and has just a 2.78 strikeout-to-walk ratio. So 
and has had a problem giving up home runs too. Uh, last year, I think in it says 172 innings, he gave up 32 home runs. That's about two every nine innings. So had trouble keeping the ball in the ballpark, but uh, is expected to return to competition in 2021. I believe he has an option um, that could be picked up by Pittsburgh, but that remains to be seen. All right, our own Ben Madeley with the breaking news. Chris Archer on the shelf now for all of 2020. Even if they do resume, he had surgery, so he'll be unable to return to Pittsburgh Pirates. Of course, he hasn't been great, but uh, he is capable as a pitcher. Just hasn't had really good success as of late, but Chris Archer now on the shelf. Ben, also let me know, uh, we want to send our condolences to Whit Babcock, the AD, Athletic Director for Virginia Tech Hokies, his father, Brad Babcock, has passed away uh, from pneumonia at uh, 81 years of age. He led James Madison University as a baseball coach to the 83 College World Series. So our condolences from the Sports King show to uh, Whit Babcock as his father, Brad Babcock, has passed away age 81. And folks, I'm telling you, as Ben and I were lamenting during the break, uh, we don't uh, in any way, shape, or form want to bring you the news of the passings because it has been really, as Kevin Grevy said, it's been one horrible week and it's been a horrible 80 plus days, to be honest with you, since everything kind of break, broke out. It's just gotten worse and worse. But you look at uh, this week alone, Wes Unseld has passed away. Johnny Majors today passed away. Pat Dye passed away, uh, the former Auburn coach, who is a great one as well. So when you look at uh, – some of the folks that have uh, lost their lives lately and all the impact they had, not only the sports world, but all the people that they impacted, just absolutely terrible uh, in terms of the loss uh, in the sports world and for everybody they affected. And Pat died just to give you a little bit of something about uh, his passing. Uh, Monday evening, 7 p.m. with the sun setting, Pat Dye's farm and uh, Alabama, the former Auburn coach and Georgia All-American, was laid to rest under a special tree he had been nurturing for some time. So he had this and planned uh, this for some time. There was no casket. The longtime Auburn icon who died Monday at age 80 wanted a simple burial cer- uh, ceremony being laid to rest in a white shroud. I want to fertilize this tree and for my spirit to hover around this tree, Pat told Jimmy Rain, one of his closest friends, who's the owner of Great Southern Wood preserving in Abbeville, Alabama. The tree was special for Dye. He had gotten a cutting from the famous tree at Tumor's Corner after he'd been poisoned by an Alabama fan in 2013. Dye gave the tree special attention for over six years. It has now reached the height of at least 15 feet. Rain said on Tuesday, a man of the soil from his days in a farm in Blythe, Georgia, Dye in recent years has developed substantial business growing Japanese maples commercially. In addition to his family, four Auburn personalities attended the service, including Rain, Heisman Trophy winner Bo Jackson, Rodney Gardner, who played and coached for Die, and Joe Witt Sr., a longtime coaching associate in Auburn fixture. So Pat Die was laid to rest, and of course, uh, from a tree grown from Tumor's Corner. And if you know anything about Auburn football, you know how they definitely throw the toilet paper whenever they win down there. It's an exciting thing to behold. And of course, years ago, the Alabama fan that tried to poison the trees and uh, Pat Dye was able to save one of those trees, which has come back very strongly. And uh, he was buried beneath that tree. So uh, a happy ending there for Pat Dye in terms of uh, doing something he really wanted to do. And he'd been planning this for some time. So that's the situation there. 
along the lines, uh, we keep hearing more and more about what's going on in the world of sports in regards to racial change. Uh, the Redskins, of course, uh, on Tuesday tweeted out a call, uh, you know, in terms of them wanting to post something uh, being positive in the racist environment and trying to say something. Next thing you know, uh, it was a blackout Tuesday social media campaign and uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, went on record saying, if you really want to stand for racial justice, change your name. And so that's the situation there. Uh, she's calling them out to change the name. Uh, many people are doing that right now. The Redskins, of course, changed your name from the Braves in 1933 and have been the target of protests by Native American groups and others for the past four decades. Owner Dan Snyder, Redskins fans since childhood, has continually refused to change the team name since purchasing the team in 1999. Despite numerous court battles, he refuses to change the name. A 2004 poll that surveyed, uh, surveyed self-identified Native Americans across the country found that only 9% were offended by the team name. However, a 2019 poll of similar nature showed an overwhelming majority of Native Americans surveyed were bothered by the team name, finding it offensive. The National Congress of American in Indians in the United States has called for the Redskins to not return to play until the team changes its names. Uh, former President Barack Obama said in 2013, the Redskins, if I were the owner of the team and I knew there was a name of my team, even if it had a storied history that was offending a sizable group of people, I would think about changing the name. So that's the situation there. What's your take on changing the name? Uh, do you think they should? Do you think they will? I have gone on record stating that uh, Dan Snyder, I know this because uh, he's gone on record many times saying that he will not change the name of the Redskins. He grew up watching this team. That's his favorite team. That's the name of his team, and he is not going to do it. Now, uh, to his credit, he has uh, been with the uh, several of the Indian groups in terms of uh, the different tribes. He's met with them. He's funded a lot of things on the level there in terms of helping uh, Native Americans in terms of uh, development on uh, things such as education and donated to their causes, and I know he's trying to do the right thing there, and uh, many people look at it differently, and some people are pro and con, but the thing is he has got a lot of buy-in from Native Americans, and a lot of them are supportive, a lot of them are not, so I don't know how you fall down on this issue, but it's a situation that definitely is not going to go away, but Dan Snyder will not change the name. That is going to not happen while he is the owner, Many people aren't happy with that, but that's just the way it is in terms of the Redskins and their situation there. So that is a situation that we will also keep monitoring and let you know about that. And, uh, of course, uh, we are also uh, looking at uh, ahead to all the leagues. How will they open? How are they going to open? When you look back and you see NASCAR, what they have done, uh, of course, IndyCar is next. They're trying to follow NASCAR's lead. The roadmap has been laid for IndyCar's return, um, and they're hoping for better weather. But uh, you're looking at the fact that NASCAR and IndyCar may be going against each other very soon in terms of uh, one weekend here, one weekend there. And whatever your favorite is, if you like Formula One and IndyCar racing, 
Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to come back Saturday night, but they're going to follow NASCAR's playbook, and they should. And I think most of the leagues out there should follow NASCAR's playbook. One thing I haven't heard, and it's really kind of upsetting, is why doesn't Major League Baseball, or NFL, NBA go to NASCAR and say, guys, how are you doing? It's, how's it going? Let's go down to the pits. Let's see how you're working. What do you recommend? There has to be a lot of um, – discussion between the leagues to see what's working so if it's being a good successful endeavor let's follow suit let's do what they're doing uh it's okay to pick somebody's brains in another sports and ask them what they're doing right so we can do that and maybe uh, look at uh, accepting some of their policies and what you want to do to make your league flourish and do well so that's an interesting aspect that we need to look at but the the xfinity series nascar they're all doing a great job the pit guys to the drivers. I mean, if you look at everything, even the guys down there interviewing in the pits, they're keeping their distances. They have those long boom mics that are so far away. They're trying to do everything they can to protect the drivers and everybody keep everybody safe. It's working. And NASCAR, as I've gone on record, needs to be applauded because they're getting fans back. Uh, ben Maitland, my producer, was a huge e-racing fan. Now he's watching NASCAR with no fans. But bottom line, if you don't look at the stands and just watch the racing, you're like, nothing ever changed. I mean, that's the way you look at it because the racing is still great at that level. So it's unfortunate that uh, the other sports haven't really knocked on NASCAR's door. I hope that happens quickly because you can learn a lot from somebody doing it, and they are doing their only sport we have really going. I'm watching uh, 2 o'clock in the morning the Korean Baseball League and trying to look for headlights there in terms of headlines and some excitement from the Korean Baseball League. So you know how much we're hungering for something. Of course, you got NASCAR, and it will be Indy Racing coming back soon, so we're hopeful for that. But that's the situation there. And uh, will Major League Baseball come to any kind of conclusion? I just don't know. July 4th was the day I circled and hoped for that we'd be able to have some Major League Baseball to celebrate America's uh, birth. But, you know, once again, uh, don't know if it's going to happen. Don't know if cooler heads are going to prevail. just doesn't seem like it's in the cards on the Major League Baseball side. Then we look at the NHL. It does look like the NHL and the NBA, as we said earlier in the show, it's going to happen sooner rather than later, and so we're excited about that. And now the big question is, will the NFL in college football, we think they're coming back, we expect them to come back, don't know how they're going to come back, and then what about the fans? What about the ticket holders? I've heard from a lot of season ticket holders asking me, and folks, I wish I had the answers for you, about whether or not you're going to get to watch your favorite team play the big games that you've become accustomed to. I don't know if it's going to be a lottery system. I don't know if it's going to be a seniority system. We're going to keep our eye on that. We'll keep you updated here on the Sports King Show as soon as we find out some more information. But right now, we're just in the dark waiting for the word to come down as how they're going to give out tickets. We hope fans get to come back in some form as quickly as possible. Going to take a timeout. We're coming back. Hour number two of the Sports King Show right after these messages. Hey guys, this is Tress Wave, punter for the Redskins, and you're listening to the Sports King on Sports 1061. 
Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. The Sports King Studio line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. It's in the hole! And welcome back, everyone. Wednesday edition, heading up to the noon o'clock hour. Jim Rome follows me. Los Angeles, the site, the jungle with Jim Rome. The legendary broadcaster takes over at 12. Don't forget, folks, programming note, every morning it's Big Al with Sports Phone 8 to 10 live. And he's alongside Ben Maitland. And then Ben joins me doing double duty, comes over to Sports King Show from 10 to 12 live. And then we head off to Los Angeles. Just want you to know that. And that's what's happening here on Sports 1061. Want to let you know if you'd like to join in on the show, give us a call 804 327 0888. What's your take on what's happening now without all the leagues, uh, throughout the leagues? Uh, your thoughts on maybe uh, Wes Unseld, our guest? We were interrupted briefly during the interview with Kevin Grevy, but we hope to have him back on soon. And if you missed any part of that brief discussion, he talked about the loss of Wes Unseld, who passed away yesterday at 74, and uh, how he impacted so many people, not only as a basketball player, but as a man, and how he will always be remembered as one of the greatest people that have ever graced the earth. And when he was on the court, uh, Kevin Grevy said he commanded the team with an iron fist. He basically said something, you listened to him, you did what he said, and Kevin Grevy had a comment uh, about the fact that uh, he was a younger player and he was a little wild at the time. And he said there was something called the Georgetown flu, which meant, you know, staying out all night and doing things you shouldn't be doing and coming in uh, drunk to a practice or uh, in terms of preparations. And he said, hey, I'm looking at all you young guys basically don't get the Georgetown flu because if you do, and you step outside the line, you're going to have to deal with me. And nobody wanted to deal with Big Wes. And so he kind of guided those young players. And, hey, it worked out at uh, 1978, winning the world title. Of course, it's unsell that once again passes away at 74 years of age. He will leave a very big void. Uh, ben Maitland just announced earlier in the last segment, Pirates pitcher Chris Archer out until 2021 following surgery. Of course, the Pirates pitcher outstanding. And uh, he is going to be a big loss for the Pirates uh, trying to rebound. And he's a pitcher to keep your eye on. And College Football Hall of Famer Johnny Majors has passed away at 85 years of age. Those are some of the headlines we've been following. want to let you know that the NFL on Tuesday instructed its teams to, to, of two required adjustments of how training camps would operate in an effort to minimize resist, the risk of spread of coronavirus when players and coaches return to work late next month. In a memo at, uh, which was issued to all 32 teams, Commissioner Roger Goodell announced that he would join the um, acid joint task force between the NFL and the NFL Players Association 
uh, to agree that clubs should hold training camp at team facilities only instead of going off-site to a location as is customary for some franchises. The only exception would be cases in which teams cannot, by law, host training camp at their own facilities, the memo said. The commissioner also instructed the NFL and the NFLPA that no joint practices will be permitted this year during training camp. So we're used to seeing like the skins and maybe New England and uh, some of the teams getting together. It's not going to happen this year because of the health aspects. Goodell went on to say, we believe that each of these steps will enhance our ability to protect the health and safety of players and your football staffs and are consistent with the sound approach to risk management and in the current environment, Goodell said. Uh, so you're looking at that. Last year, 10 NFL teams held training camp away from their facilities. Joint practices between teams had become a popular trend because it allowed veteran players to receive more reps in a controlled environment while helping them avoid injury risk posed uh, in preseason games. The joint practices also afforded coaches the opportunity to further evaluate players against unfamiliar opponents. And you're looking at Richmond, and uh, this all but uh, kills the Richmond opportunity for the Redskins because uh, they're going to keep them up there in Ashburn under that bubble that they have up there. They have that indoor facility that they'll be working out in. They just can't expose people in Richmond or uh, themselves to coming down and transporting everybody down here. It's going to be safer and, I guess, more uh, cost-effective to keep people up there in Ashburn to protect the team in that bubble environment. So they're already talking about some things they're going to do. Of course, yesterday meant 100 days until the NFL season is expected to start on time with the Kansas City Chiefs opening up, but uh, we don't know right now uh, how it's going to transpire. We certainly hope things go along as planned. NASCAR, of course, leading the way, so we're going to have to see with the NFL. But right now, they did issue that yesterday that there'll be no uh, teams practicing one another, so don't expect that this season. Uh, two Vikings linebackers rightly called out the NFL for a statement about the George Floyd uh, and racism aspect a few days ago. The NFL, um, in terms of the players that were talking about what's going on um, from the Vikings, they are talking and asking what actual steps you taking to support the fight for justice and system reform. Your statement said nothing. Your league is built on black athletes. Vague answers do nothing. Let the players know what you're actually doing. And we know what silence means. Uh, they also added that the Vikings have opened dialogue with players and we're all working towards solutions with the team. If anyone has suggestions for how to support the city, we'd love to hear them. Our team doesn't just want to donate. We want to work with local organizations and get out there to help facilitate change. But we want answers at the league level. That's where change can happen, and we're seeing none. Basically, right now, it seems like nothing, and nothing is unacceptable. So... You know, the NFL players, predominantly African-American, are calling out Roger Goodell in the league for saying, hey, are you not doing enough? And they're saying if you're just donating money, donating money is not enough. You've got to do more. And they want their voices heard. The two Minnesota Vikings linebackers, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, were not fans of the statement that was handed out by the NFL and basically is trying to uh, effect change. This came after free agent safety Eric Reed and Houston, Texas wide receiver Kenny Stills ripped the NFL over his statement too. And Goodell uh, came back and basically said his current events dramatically underscored there remains much more to do as a country and as a league. These tragedies inform the NFL's commitment in our ongoing efforts. 
There remains an urgent need for action. We recognize the power of our platform and communities and as part of the fabric of American society. We embrace that responsibility and are committed to continuing the important work to address these systematic issues together with our players, clubs, and partners. So you have Roger Goodell coming back and saying we're doing everything we can. The players saying you're not doing anything close to being enough. And so another impasse. So you certainly hope, and as I went on record in the last segment, I would like to see something in a aspect of uh, you know racial harmony with Tony Dungy heading it up. He's a guy that everybody loves and respects, and let him uh, oversee a committee to see what we can do to make sure that the league, the NFL, which is predominantly African-American, is taken care of in the ways it wants to be taken care of and the voices be heard. And it's done more than uh, some teams saying the owners, you know, donate a million dollars or 500,000, whatever it may be. That is not enough. The fact that they're trying to just donate money and throw money at it is not what the players want. They want their voices heard. And right now they're not being heard at all. So that's the situation there. What's your take on this? 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, uh, on Friday's show, we're in the final discussions. We were, actually, I was yesterday afternoon. I don't know if you happened to see last night the uh, Len Bias special on ESPN. I uh, was fortunate to speak with Len Bias's mother, Lanice, yesterday afternoon and had a great conversation with her. And uh, she may be coming on Friday's Sports King show to talk about uh, her late great son and what she's doing now uh, in his memory. But Len Bias, uh, I've told the story before. I was able to meet him several weeks before he passed away. And one of the most extraordinary athletes I've ever seen in my life up close. Uh, you know, he had a tank top on. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was muscles on top of muscles. The guy was absolutely chiseled. One of the strongest looking athletes I've ever seen in terms of a basketball player. I've never seen a guy that well built as a basketball player, uh, six, eight, just muscles on top of muscles, a guy that uh, could dunk, could run, could shoot, could do everything. And people say to me, Oh, you, you're kind of overdoing it. Aren't you comparing him to Jordan? And I say this, uh, if there was one guy that could have eclipsed Michael Jordan in terms of ability and taking over games, it would have been to me, Len Bias. I hold him in that high of esteem. Uh, one of my favorite all time players. It absolutely broke my heart. Uh, not only a basketball sense, but a young man at 22 years of age to lose his life in the manner he did. And of course, uh, so many people have been affected by the, drug aspect and it opened up a lot of eyes and saved a lot of lives because they looked and said, Hey, if it could happen to him, it could happen to me as well. So Len Bias saved a lot of lives after this, but uh, that's not the legacy he wanted to leave. Of course, he was a guy that dominated at the college level, worked so hard, uh, didn't make a couple of his early teams in high school, just worked himself into position and then went to Maryland. The local kid made good and just dominated for the Terrapins, a picture-perfect jumper, a guy that could dunk, could run, could do everything you'd want from a basketball standpoint, a guy that was so exciting to watch that he you just couldn't take your eyes off of him as a player. And then he gets drafted by the Boston Celtics, and, of course, uh, the situation occurs where the night of parting led to too much, and, uh, of course, uh, he passed away due to the cocaine intoxication and uh, a loss that has been felt to this day in the Maryland community 
Uh, you don't lose guys like, you know, and I look back at some of the key losses we've had in our area. Of course, Sean Taylor comes to mind. One of the great losses for the Redskins would set them back from a team standpoint many, many years. And from a human standpoint, I mean, how do you recover from having a guy like that that was such a great impact guy from a locker room standpoint as a human that came across so well to his teammates and did so much for them from a leadership standpoint? And the same thing with Lenny Bias. I mean, this is a guy that people would have followed through uh, ran through a brick wall for, and his teammates did. And then one night of doing something, and as we talk to young people, a lot of times you don't always think. And sometimes you know people think they're untouchable and nothing can happen to them, and they're invincible as young people. But one night of making the wrong decision and doing the wrong thing, uh, in Len Bias's case, it was too much of uh, the situation. Too much occurred that particular night. And what always saddens and sickens me is that the guys in that room, uh, it's one thing to enjoy a night of partying, whether you're going out with girls or enjoying uh, your favorite drinks, whatever it may be. But when they saw him doing this and ingesting this stuff that they could have uh, you know, put on the brakes and said, hey, man, you know, uh, don't do this to this extent. Let's be smart about things. You've got so much riding on this. And then to see what an, an, uh, you know basically transpired as you watched last night on ESPN, uh, the story of Len Bias, it just absolutely, every time I watch something regarding Len, I always hope for a different outcome at the end. It never is. But uh, I just remember one of the greatest sports losses and human losses of all time was Len Bias. And people will say, you really think he was that special and that good a player? And I just say, if you ever doubt, and if you aren't of a certain age and you didn't get a chance to watch him in person as I did, uh, please go back and watch the tape, the videotape of a guy that did things that were so extraordinary. Yes, Michael Jordan was extraordinary, but I'm putting Len Bias right there in terms of uh, the special player that he was and what he brought to the game of basketball. So Len Bias was one for the ages, and potentially on Friday his mother, Lenise, may be our special guest. We will find out probably by tomorrow officially, and I'll keep you updated on that. So that's the situation there. We want to thank Kevin Grevy, who joined us earlier today, of course, in an abbreviated uh, interview we had talking about the loss of Wes Unseld and what he meant to him. And it was great to hear him talking about Wes more as the, from a human standpoint and what he meant to all of his teammates versus the basketball side. He said, in the basketball side, he was great, the human side even better, and a guy that uh, was so essential to all of us in terms of our development and our ability to get better. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said of Unseld, he was like a big roadblock on the basketball court. He was only 6'7 or 6'8", but you still couldn't get rebounds over him because he just denied you position on the court. He was awesome in that sense. Uh, his physical prowess enabled him to compete effectively against taller and more nimble opponents uh, to win consecutive Kentucky State Championships at Seneca High School, and he set Louisville records that have stood for more than half a century. So when you ask how good was Wes Unseld, his record's still standing for more than half a century, and he joins Wilt Chamberlain as the only NBA rookies to win the league's Most Valuable Player Award. And if you look at him, he led the Baltimore or Washington Bulls to 12 straight playoff appearances in an NBA title with no ego whatsoever. If you think of Wes Unseld, you don't think ego. You don't think a guy that uh, ever stood out. He let his job do the talking and his work do the talking. And he showed up every single night. If you're a Bullets fan or a former Baltimore Bullets fan or Washington Bullets fan, when you watched him play, he was a man among men. He was a guy that you said, this guy, what he brings to the table every night, 
it's worth the ticket price to get in to watch Wes Unseld. And so it's so unfortunate at 74, and Kevin was mentioning that his daughter had had an accident and became blind, and he had dedicated much of his life to her recovery and working with her. And he's had some things happen to his family. And, of course, Kevin Grevy, uh, yesterday, very sad days, he said he lost a friend, a very close friend, and then Wes Unseld on top of that. So very sad day indeed. And he said, hey, you know, hopefully things turn the corner for the nation because everybody's hurting right now. And I could not agree more. I would love to hear from you today, 804-327-0888. We could talk about the great Wes Unseld and what he meant to not only the uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia areas, but also talk about uh, we heard this morning Johnny Majors, the outstanding coach, Pittsburgh, and, of course, Tennessee passed away uh, today uh, as well. And uh, very sad news. Pat Dye was uh, laid to rest yesterday. So, uh, you know, they say things happen in three sometimes, and those are three very special individuals and very sad week in the world of sports, very sad week altogether with 80-some days other than NASCAR. And uh, what NASCAR has been able to bring us back is one thing that we really enjoy But other than that, some of the other major sports, we have not seen anything. Of course, Sports King up watching uh, Korean baseball at 2 a.m. trying to find something. I was uh, restless and I wanted to see something. I was trying to tune in to see Korean baseball. You know it's bad when I'm watching Korean baseball at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's one of those things. But uh, sometimes you can't sleep and you're looking for something to watch and you just want to see something. So when I say to you that we're looking for something from a standpoint of Major League Baseball, and the fact that July 4th, uh, the nation's birthday, we could come back with Major League Baseball. Wouldn't that just make it for us to be able to watch baseball, uh, you know, have a beverage, have a hot dog or a hamburger and be with family and be socially distanced, but still watch baseball on July 4th. That would give us all a feeling like, hey, maybe America is coming back in some way, shape or form. But the thing that upsets me that our voices as fans aren't being heard. Rob Manford, who is the commissioner of baseball, I just can't believe he can't sit in a room with the player association and the ownership group and say, you know what, guys, look around the room for a minute. This is about not just us, but what about the fans? What about July 4th? What about coming back on America's birthday and giving the fans something that they deserve, that the frontline workers deserve, that they could sit back and enjoy the game that they love? But you guys may not let it happen because the dollars, it's all about the dollars. The fact that America's hurting, that people want to see something that they love, doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter. And that sickens me as a sports fan, as a sports broadcaster, that we can't have somebody just say, you know, for once, can we put this aside and Yes, we're going to get paid. We're not going to get paid what we're used to, but the money we're still going to make is going to be 10 times what the average American will make in a year easily. But can we come together and give America something to smile about, to cheer about? And I don't think the ask is too big. I think it's something that uh, for what we've done for baseball, uh, you've always been there in the low market, small market teams to the big market teams, Yankee stadiums, all the outstanding places that have been built and all of the revenue that they have for the television networks and all the things they do to ask them to allow us to get something back. Now, when you buy the merchandise and the beverages and all of the things that go into parking 25, 30 bucks to park, to go to a ball game, and then you buy the tickets, everything the fan does for baseball and has done for baseball for all these years 
right now we need baseball to give us something back. And I don't think it's too big, too big an ask. I, I really don't. And I really feel so strongly about this that I'm telling you, if baseball decides not to play, I can honestly say I don't know if I'll come back because it would sour me so much in terms of, you know, you want to be able to hang your hat on something, to look forward to something, and to say, you know what, the Major League Baseball community is not getting everything they want. And we understand that, but they're giving something back. So that makes me feel better to go out and pay ticket prices and buy jerseys and hats and all the things I want to do to support them going forward because they're basically, as I've used the term, taking one for the team. Right now, in effect, they're not wanting to do that. They just want to be greedy, and it's all about my side, the ownership side, the player side, but the fans have no voice. And this is the worst part of this whole scenario is all of the people out there that put so much into making America go that just want that sliver of normalcy, something. Can you imagine on July 4th to wake up and to smell some cookouts around the neighborhood and then hear somebody say, you know what, they're going to play baseball today. Who cares who wins? Who cares who loses? But they're going to play a game. So you can sit around and watch a game and cheer or boo or whatever you do. But you have the opportunity to watch something that you love, the great American pastime, something special that we all need right now more than ever, and a nation that is divided on so many levels. And when you watch the news, it's almost unwatchable anymore, folks, because channel to channel, you see some of the worst of America. You see very little good news anymore. It's all about the pandemic and what's going on there and the horrific actions that took the life of George Floyd. And now the protesting, the peaceful protesting, we're all supportive of the looting and all of that were against. And you see businesses being destroyed and people being killed and people being injured. And I just shake my head in disbelief and I just hope for a brighter day. I pray for a brighter day and I'm looking at things and I just want to see people smiling again and having reasons to smile, which is more reason for baseball to say, you know what? Hey, we could be a source of change. We could help people put a smile back on people's face and be part of the healing process for America. Now, I'm not saying playing Major League Baseball on July 4th is going to solve all of our problems. It's not going to. But it will allow people to smile and get away from things and realize that, yes, you know what? Uh, for this couple of hours of this ball game, I'm going to be able to be happy and smile and think of a better day ahead because all of us is it's what we want. We just want something to hang our hat on to cheer about. And that's my take on that. Uh, we're going to come back. We've got about a half hour left in the show. We'd love to hear from you. 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. Coming back in the last half hour of the Sports King Show on this Wednesday morning. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Trent Murphy, number 93 from the Buffalo Bills. You're listening to Jamie King and Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, President and General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. Our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to cmascolonialhonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com. 
You're listening to the guy that was once addicted to brake fluid. But please don't worry, he says he can stop at any time. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. It's a Wednesday morning. It's the Sports King. Sports 1061 Facebook Live. Want to let you know we are getting all kinds of questions on Facebook Live, and we thank you. Dan Whited checking in from Sacramento, Sacktown in the house. Sacramento, he says it's steamy. It's hot in Sacramento today. I said, How hot is it? I said, It's going to be 95, fun loving degrees here in Virginia. He said, It's going to be 103 today in Sacktown, Sacramento. It's going to be hot, hot, hot today. Dan White asking me about college football. Has the Sports King heard anything about college football? Not yet. I know they are working towards something, trying to think about the bubble aspect and getting the players in, but then you got to worry about the uh, support staff and all of the uh, doctors, and then how do they interact with student athletes uh, and the regular students, student body? How do you get – I mean, it's one of those things, you have friends, do you go to class, do you have them within the football facility, you bring your professors there? How do you do this? Because if you go outside of the bubble and outside into the general population, if you will, uh, you could run the possibility of catching something uh, from somebody you run into. So – and if that happens and you carry it back into the bubble, then you know what could happen there. So one of those situations, uh, the Yami Uri Giants, a Tokyo-based baseball team, has called off preseason games slated for today following news that two players tested positive for coronavirus. One of the players, Hayato Sakamoto, easy for me to say, is Japanese biggest baseball star and the reigning MVP of the country's Nippon Professional Baseball League. The Giants postponed their game against the Cebu Lions. It's unclear if they will lead to more of a delayed season. According to Japanese media reports, Sakamoto and catcher Takumu Ashiro were the only players who tested positive. Both played in practice game with other players earlier the week. The Hanshin Tigers reported that at least one player tested positive several months ago. Sports in Japan were suspended for more than two months because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but were set to make their return without fans in attendance for an opening day on June 19th. Preseason games had just begun. So there's two players there, and the premier player in all of the Japanese baseball, Hayato Sakamoto, is uh, going to be on the sidelines for the foreseeable future. So that's one of the situations you wonder uh, and you worry about the college football. If you have a quarterback, let's say, for instance, you have a Joe Burrow catching something like this or a key running back or wide receiver, uh, it's going to affect teams in such big ways that you wonder uh, how many players do you uh, look at in terms of if they catch this, uh, do you have to call a game? So those are worries, major worries, because college football, if you get underway and then key players are affected and games have to be canceled, that is another Pandora's box we don't even want to talk about. So we certainly hope that's a situation and uh, that something comes about that quickly they can get something going that protects everyone involved, and they have to come up with a plan. Once again, they need to get with NASCAR and try to work with them to try to come up with some kind of uh, solution to this problem. Maybe something NASCAR tells them will help them get over the hump and we can get back to some semblance of football. It will not be, in my estimation, full stands. And once again, I don't know from an economic standpoint if it's viable as an option to have a basically 100,000-seat 100 100, arena with uh, only – 
10, 15,000 fans. I just don't know how college football, which is the engine, the heartbeat of the uh, entire engine, and everything else runs off of that heartbeat uh, as far as how it can possibly continue on under those situations. I just don't know. Um, a question from London, England. Ralph Faulkner asked, did I uh, – my thoughts on the LeBron James, Michael Jordan situation, who win more championships. Great question. Um, you know, maybe LeBron could be LeBron. I mean, he's got some great weapons there with Anthony Davis, but when you look at the situation with LeBron and that team there versus Michael Jordan, then you ask yourself, you're splitting hairs because you're wondering who is the better you know, player who's the better teams. I mean, then you're looking at all kinds of things in terms of, uh, you know, trying to compare the two of those guys. But when you look at the LeBron James and all the things he's done, three-time NBA champion, three-time NBA finals MVP, four-time most valuable player, a 16-time, I mean, he's been 16 times NBA All-Star. It's just unbelievable the career he's had. When you look at all the things he's done, uh, of course, gold medal in the 2008 Beijing Games, uh, 2012 London Games, World uh, Championships. He's been an Olympic champion. He's done it all. Uh, FIBA champion. Uh, he's been Mr. Basketball. I mean, there's nothing this guy hasn't done uh, in terms of championships. He's been just phenomenal. But when you compare him to a Michael Jordan, I mean, I just think that the situation in terms of what he has done, Jordan has done to the game and what he did with that Bulls team, I don't think that will ever be eclipsed in terms of the run there, in terms of what they have done. Um, overall, it's just an amazing opportunity. Of course, LeBron has won 2012, 2013, 2016. I personally don't think he will eclipse Jordan, uh, and I know he won't eclipse that Bulls dynasty. I just don't see it happening. So um, could he get close? Absolutely, with Anthony Davis in the lineup in that uh, Lakers team. Front line could. Uh, this year, I think if they do resume and they're talking about it at the top of the show, I mentioned that in terms of them starting up uh, the NBA basketball season. If it goes off as planned, the team that I'm looking at and one that I really, really think would be the team to beat, and a lot of folks will be saying, wow, it's a small market team, smaller market team, but you have to really watch them, is the uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. I just think the Bucks are really the team that people have to uh, watch in terms of uh, the Greek freak and all the things they're doing there. I think they could really win this in an abbreviated season here with the playoffs starting and everything. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. But I think uh, Anthony Davis uh, is definitely a factor. But who's going to have their sea legs? Who's going to come into this, and who's going to be the best shape? The team that we saw the other day, LeBron, was out riding his bike with Anthony Davis, and they're riding bikes and doing things like that. But when you don't get to play and practice as hard as you want to against your teammates, you can't prepare as well. You can ride all the bikes you want, but who's going to be ready when the ball goes up in the air? Who's the players that have worked the hardest? Who's the team that has been uh, try to stay as close together and do a lot of meetings and do all the things they need to do to really be on the same page? And uh, it's up to the coaching staffs right now to get these guys to watch film and be preparing. And it's so hard to prepare uh, for teams when you're not there every day. You don't have a set schedule, but you need to watch a lot of film. You need to prepare as if you're playing tomorrow. And you have to get yourself ready from a physical standpoand because if you do, uh, you stand a case uh, 
basically having that opportunity to really uh, get the goal you want, which is an NBA title. But right now, when I look at the total aspect of the Milwaukee Bucks, I just think they're really well coached. I just think they're really on the precipice of winning a title. And, uh, of course, the Greek freak is the guy that's going to lead the way for them. I just think right now they have a lot of cohesiveness. I'm hearing a lot of great things about how they've kept together throughout this, the working together in terms of um, every day everybody's talking to each other about their workouts and how close they are as a team. I just think the Bucks better circle them from an NBA standpoint. I think they are going to be somebody you really have to watch. Uh, Pete Carroll, uh, the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, said today that we, quote, owe a tremendous amount, unquote, to former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick for taking a stand against police brutality and racial oppression in 2016. Carroll went on to say, I think there was a moment in time that a young man captured. He took a stand on something figuratively, took a knee, but he stood up for something he believed in. And what an extraordinary moment it was that he was willing to take. Carroll said that while speaking to the uh, Ringers Flying Coach podcast with Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr and San Antonio coach Greg Popovich. So here's the thing about the NFL, and you see the coaches and some of the people in the hierarchy of the NFL coming out and saying, hey, you know, Colin Kaepernick, you know, we praise him. What a great guy he was. He made a tremendous stand. You hear that on one side, but on the other yeah, he can't come back into the league. You know, we don't want him. He took a stand. He did this. He did that. So it's kind of like talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're praising a guy on one hand, but he's not good enough to come back on the other hand because you disagree with his stance. And whether you disagree or agree, many people are are really uh, one side or the other. There's no middle ground on Colin Kaepernick. I've talked to so many people about him, and they either love him in his stance or they hate him for taking the stance. There is no middle ground usually for him. Pete Carroll saying we owe a tremendous amount to him. And when you look at the hierarchy of the NFL and they're trying to say, hey, this guy has done so much for us, or he's not good enough to get a second chance. So it's kind of a double-edged sword here. And you understand where Kaepernick's team's coming from when they say basically, why hasn't he got a second chance? Uh, of course, Eric Reed, his former teammate, got a second chance. He has not because he's been the face of the league for so long um, in terms of this issue. But when you look at Colin Kaepernick, what he did, of course, kneeling and so many people, veterans and frontline folks got so offended by that during the national anthem, he was trying to do something he felt was right. But people really, a lot of people turned off the NFL, were so upset about this, and he has been more or less blackballed by the league in terms of not allowed to come back in and basically told that you're not wanted here. So Kaepernick, all he's wanted to do is get another chance. And the NFL has basically said, hey, it's fallen on deaf ears. We're going to make you an example. And I really feel that's what's happened with Colin Kaepernick. He's been made an example of. The guy, whether you like him or whether you don't, he is an excellent runner. He can throw on the run. He had some great moments with San Francisco. Uh, is a guy that has a lot of talent. Uh, but you wonder if the fact that he took a stand for something he believed in, um, you know, people are basically like some of the folks out there that have said to LeBron James, you just shut up and dribble, you know, don't have a voice. I think athletes have the ability in the forum to have a voice in their position. And you look at Colin Kaepernick from a physical standpoint, six foot four, 230 pounder. Uh, you know, he was a two times uh, Western Athletic Conference player of the year, 2008, 2010. 
He set the record for most rushing yards in a quarterback in a single game, 181. The record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single postseason, 264. If you look at Colin Kaepernick's numbers, and I'm just saying look at his numbers as a player, whether you like him or whether you loathe him, all I'm asking, I'm a former coach, so I'm going to look at this this way. What has he done when he has had the ball in his hands? Well, his interception and touchdown ratio, he's thrown 72 touchdowns against 30 interceptions. Now, think about that. That's during his career so far. Last year alone, Jameis Winston, who we talk about good Jameis, bad Jameis, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. And I'm just looking at it from both sides of the coin here. So 72 touchdowns overall, 30 interceptions. He's thrown for 12,000 yards, a 59.8 completion percentage. So he's nearly 60% in what he does. So when you look at him and look at what he's done overall, uh, he's also run for 13 touchdowns. So he has a tremendous amount of ability in terms of on-field expertise. It's just a matter as time goes on, you wonder how much, basically because of his lawsuit with the NFL and uh, how much that's hanging over his head. He's been an activist. He's tried to do things to raise the specter of racial injustice, but yet he has basically been kept on the sidelines now, and it looks for the foreseeable future. Personally, my take on this even though he has uh, been talked to by other leagues like the former Alliance of American Football, the XFL, um, you know, he has decided not to uh, go in those directions. He wanted a guarantee of so much money per season, and they basically said in one case he wanted $20 million per season. The NFL, um, former NFL quarterback, wanted these leagues to pony up that kind of money. He basically said, if I don't get paid top dollar, I'm not coming out. And they basically said, thanks, but no thanks. But in a situation where there's teams that could use a talent like Kaepernick, the question will be, will he ever get the chance again? My take on this is I don't think he will. And the reason I don't think he will uh, will get the opportunity is because, you know, he has raised such a firestorm that so many people were feeling like, well, is it worth the effort? Is it worth uh, the magnification of him bringing what he brings to the team? Not just his ability, but what goes with his ability. So that's a situation that we're going to keep our eye on. But you wonder if he'll ever get a second chance. And so many other players that have had drug issues and so forth that have done really bad things have gotten other chances. You just wonder where things fall for Kaepernick and if we have seen the last of him. And it's a shame because he took a stand on something he believed in. And so many people have come down on different ways on it. But, you know, it's a situation now where he has had to live with it and he has just wanted one more chance. And it doesn't seem like one team will step up. They're praising him on one hand, but not willing to give him a chance on the other. So it's going to be interesting to see if he does in the coming months get a phone call that maybe, hey, we will give you another chance. Uh, we're coming back. we got more Sports King show. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back on Sports 1061 after these messages. Hi, this is Mike Singletary, former Chicago Bear, Hall of Famer. You're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, President and General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. Our goal has always been to make the car buying process easy. So when we couldn't serve you in person, we found a different solution. CMA's Easy Purchase. It's simple. All you have to do is head to cmascolonialhonda.com, select your vehicle, secure your financing, value your trade-in, and select the delivery location. CMA's Colonial Honda. Owners just do more. 
Visit cmascolonialhonda.com. Welcome back. You're listening to a man who is cooler than the other side of the pillow. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. On this Wednesday, the NBA plans to approve a 22-team restart. You heard it here, 22 teams restarting in the NBA. Don't know the official date. Waiting for that to be released, but 22 teams. Now the question is, is your team one of the 22? We will wait and see. But interesting enough, things developing quickly on the NBA side. Great to hear something happening positive there in terms of the NFL NFL players are not expected to return to their team facilities until training camp. This, according to sources, most teams already have reopened their facilities on a limited basis for essential employees amid the coronavirus pandemic, but healthy players are still not allowed to return thus far. Discussions about when to allow players to return are ongoing sources said, and neither the NFL nor any teams have announced official dates for when training camp will begin. And, folks, I went on record yesterday that Tuesday marked 100 days until the NFL is supposed to play their first game. Of course, Kansas City Chiefs are going to kick it off, and we hope that happens. But right now, steps are being taken for the 2020 preseason, and they're looking to address the current conditions, and uh, hopefully things get ready to go. Uh, Roger Goodell cited limiting travel exposure and contact along with eliminating the need to clean and maintain two facilities in the league's decisions, which he noted that the NFLPA was strongly in favor of. So you have to keep the players safe. You have to do everything in your power to keep the players safe. So that's the situation there. The NFL trying to get it right, trying to get things going. Uh, Players will not report to camp until we get the all-go, but it looks like the NBA, meanwhile, is going to get going with 22 teams as a drive towards an NBA title. Of course, the front runners up there will be the Lakers and, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think uh, have an inside track to win it all. But so exciting to hear something positive from the world of the NBA uh, as they try to get things going as quickly as possible. And as I said earlier today on the show, that the date for Game 7 of the NBA Finals is slated for October 12th. The 22-team format uh, for the season's proposed resumption begins once again July 31st. This is going to happen in Orlando, Florida, a timeline that was shared with the team at the last possible date. Once again, October 12th will end the NBA Finals Game 7, should there be a Game 7. So that's the situation there. And the league said that they've been advancing on a plan that would include the regular season play-in and playoff games. And so we're very excited that 22 teams will be in it uh, to win it. And hopefully your team is among those 22. Some excitement happening there. Of course, at the top of the show, we want to thank again, Kevin Greeby, the former forward for the world champion, Washington bullets was our guest. Of course, uh, we didn't get to finish the interview as he's traveling and sometimes things happen, but he went on record talking about the great Wes Unseld passing away yesterday at age 74. What a tremendous loss that was for him the Bullets community and the team and the former teammates and everybody involved with Wes. He said he was a beloved figure, bigger than life, did so much for him personally, helped him develop as a player and as a man, and his impact will be felt 
for a long, long time in terms of all the things he did for the community. You can't uh, say enough about Wes Unsell, the man. He was a great man who did so much. Ben Maitland told us earlier as well, breaking news, the Pirates pitcher Chris Archer will not pitch until 2021. Archer, of course, had surgery. He's projected to return to full competition next season, but he is on the shelf. So if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, don't count on Chris Archer to be in the mix for this season should the season come about, which we do not know if it's going to happen or not. So that's a situation there. So uh, those are some of the news tidbits we've been following today. Of course, some of the other breaking news, legendary coach Johnny Majors has passed away. He was a star at Tennessee. He has passed away 85 years of age. Also um, amazing coach for the Tennessee Volunteers and also the Pittsburgh uh, Panthers. He did a great job there. He was uh, known to his friends by the name John among his friends and family. And Johnny is a player and coach. His name will be forever intertwined with the University of Tennessee and the entire state. And uh, his wife went on to say, it's a sad heart that we make the announcement his wife of 61 years, Mary Lynn Major, said in a statement released by the family, quote, John has passed away this morning. He spent the last hours doing something he dearly loved, looking out over his cherished Tennessee River, end quote. This guy was Tennessee. He meant so much to them. He was inducted in the Cod Football uh, Hall of Fame as a player in 1987, the runner-up to Paul Horning for the Heisman Trophy in 1956. Uh, Gen- General Robert Nealon once referred to Majors as, quote, the greatest single-wing tailback in Tennessee history, end quote. As a head coach, Majors uh, rebuilt programs at Iowa State, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. He led the Vols to three SEC championships, including the first in 16 years in 1985. Uh, Majors returned to Tennessee in 1977, the year after leading Pittsburgh to a national championship and guided the Tennessee program through the end of the 1992 season when he was forced out as head coach. Overall, Johnny Majors compiled a 185-137-10 career record. As a head coach, it was named National Coach of the Year three times. Majors' coached, uh, coaching tree included 33 assistant coaches who later became head coaches in the league or professional ranks. So Johnny Majors, with a major, major um, assist to all the coaches that uh, were on his coaching tree and have done such great things. He will be sorely missed. Uh, people that I know that know Johnny Majors, uh, he was a beloved man that uh, really cared about people and somebody that people looked up to, and he was quite the leader there. So very sad news there. And, of course, uh, uh, Wes Unsell passing yesterday. It's been a very tough week in the world of sports, and we certainly hope that some things get better soon. Uh, in terms of the climate out there for everybody and that we can see people start smile again and that hopefully some calm comes across our country and that we're able to return to some happy days ahead. Also want to let you know that uh, we are hearing some great things that uh, the NBA says 22 teams, they are moving forward and we'll be having more details for you tomorrow on the Thursday edition of the sports King as to how that's going to look, but NBA just broke the news there. That's great news to look forward to something there. Now, if we get the NHL underway, that should happen soon enough. And next, it'll be the NFL and college football. We are working towards those things. The only missing uh, group at the party is Major League Baseball, which doesn't look like it's going to happen on any level. And that's a shame that uh, for right now, Major League Baseball cannot come to any type of a resolution to their issue. So it's basically going to be, you know, kind of hurry up and wait as far as they are concerned. Somebody's going to come away with a tremendous black eye in terms of 
whether it'll be the ownership group or the players association, but both of them right now are really being looked upon very uh, tremendously bad because it's not a good look for major league baseball. They need to come together, not just for baseball, but for America right now more than ever. So that's going to wrap up this edition of the Sports King Show. We want to thank Kevin Grevy from the world champion 1978 Washington Bulls, my favorite all-time team, and what a great player he was. And, of course, today talking about the late, great Wes Unseld. And that is it for this edition, the Wednesday edition of the Sports King Show. Don't touch that dial. Jim Rome, the legend broadcaster. Uh, we go out to the jungle in Los Angeles momentarily. You want to stay tuned for that. Of course, Big Al starts it off every day on Sports Phone with Big Al, 8 to 10. I follow him 10 to 12. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for today. Have a great rest of your day. Be kind to one another. Look out for one another. And tomorrow, we're one step closer to getting back. Have a great day, everyone.